deep left into the bleachers. A two-run homer. A swing and a miss. Ball game. Liftoff. And history marches on. 22 consecutive wins. From the sports desk of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. This is Leading Off with Ryan Lewis, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. Santana makes the catch. Ball game. The Indians have won the American League pennant. The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series. Now, Ryan Lewis and Ashley Fastock. Welcome to Leading Off, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. I'm Ashley Bastock, here with our beat writer at the Akron Beacon Journal, Ryan Lewis. Ryan, how's it going? What's uh, got your attention? Let's start with our pop culture corner. Handmaid's Tale's done. Are you caught up on Loki? What else are you watching besides, obviously, some Cleveland baseball? <laughs> a lot of Cleveland baseball. Um, we're through two episodes of Loki. Um, and then three episodes of Mare. There we go. Are you officially a mare bear now, too? I had many people telling me that we have to watch this right now, instantly. So we're making our way through that. It's good. We have we have some guesses up, and um, we'll see. Your guesses are probably wrong. You can tell offline, but your guesses are probably wrong. Yeah, I I normally just assume that there's going to be some twist that. Um, the the most obvious or the most like six obvious choices are all. Like, yeah. going to the wayside at the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, if somebody, like, my general rule of thumb in these whodunit type of shows is if somebody seems like the obvious choice too early, they did not do it. Like, you you can kind of figure it out. If you watch enough of these shows, it's kind of formulaic to a certain point. But I will say with Mare, I thought that I had a very good theory on who did it, like, relatively early, Um and it didn't collapse until, like, the end of the final episode. So um, I was surprised, and it was a fun show overall. So I'm glad you you are finally finally watching it and getting on the bandwagon. Yeah, Alicia has a theory that's pretty interesting that I would not have thought of. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep that. We'll Spoiler-free podcast. Spoiler podcast, because my reaction to right. her theory will probably give it away one way or the other. Right. Um, but for anyone who, you know, is maybe a fringe Marvel fan, uh, maybe someone who didn't get some of the references from like Wanda. Um, Loki is so freaking entertaining. Um, probably because uh, Tom is just so good. Tom. Yeah. He's, he's Hiddle. Hiddle what? What's his last name? Tom Hiddleston. Come on. I can remember his last name, but he's such a good actor. He's so good in this. He is. I mean, I'm glad he finally gets, like, I know, obviously, he, in the Thor standalone films, like, he obviously has a fairly significant part, and obviously, especially in the first Avengers film, he's the main villain. But, like, to see him as the actual main character this time, like, I'm so glad we're finally getting that, because he just is, he's doing the most in a good way. Yeah, but Owen Wilson hasn't said wow yet, I don't think. A little, yeah. little disappointing. I hope he gets to ad lib that at least once before the series is over. And he only has we're three episodes in. I will say I'm caught up. Um, not to burst your bubble, but he does not say wow in in episode three either. So he only has three more episodes to make it happen. So we'll see. Oh, there are only six episodes. I didn't even know that. 
Yeah, it's like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There's only six, which which kind of makes sense when you think about the WandaVision episodes, right? We're all shorter, like at least up until like the last couple. They were only like at a 20 minute runtime or so. So um, it's about the same amount of content with these other two shows, just spaced out differently, I guess. But what are we supposed to do then in like three or four weeks? Wait for the Eternals to come out. I think that's the next thing. I'm not sure. Um off the top. To, I need to get you to watch Peaky Blinders. Yeah, maybe we can we can maybe that'll be like my later summer show and then we can discuss that even though I'm way behind. The yeah, rest. they're they're filming the season right now. So you probably be able to do what we did with Handmaids where we catch up right as the newest season comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Let's get into some Cleveland baseball here. And to borrow a quote from one of our other favorite podcasts, My Favorite Murder, don't worry, it gets worse. Um, (laughs) And that, of course, is referring to Cleveland's starting pitching situation. So if you have not been paying attention for some reason, the team announced on Wednesday, and we are recording this on Thursday, uh, Thursday, June 24th, to be specific, um, that starting pitcher Aaron Savale was diagnosed with a sprained middle finger after meeting with Dr. Thomas Graham, a hand specialist. Savale will be shut down from throwing for one to two weeks. He's expected to miss four to five weeks. And obviously you wrote about this. It's a another huge blow to a starting rotation that has been riddled with key injuries lately. Shane Bieber had a shoulder issue, so he's shut down currently. Zach Plesak, we all know, one of the Hall of Fame weird baseball injuries, broke his finger, taking off his shirt. So they are also obviously not pitching right now, leaving a group of younger and unproven pitchers who are kind of tasked with piecing this rotation together day by day. And obviously, Terry Francona also trying to piece this together one day at a time right now, and that was before even Savale's injury. So to just ask you the most broad broad possible question to kind of get you into this, what is going on with this rotation now, and what does this injury ultimately mean beyond the obvious? Well, you summed it up the best with the everything's fine, dog. Yeah, everything's fine. Fire all around. That's that's what's going on, like surrounded by flames, engulfed in flames, but just sitting there finishing, finishing a cup of coffee. And they're still trying to compete. I mean, if it's, you know, if it, in a lot of other d- different situations, it isn't, you know, nearly as big of a deal, um, you know, as it is at this moment. Um, yeah, I it, it almost can't get worse, but I imagine some in the some in Cleveland's front office have said that for the last couple of weeks and it's gotten worse twice. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I felt like that after Shane Bieber got injured. I'm like, well, you know, what's the worst that could happen now? Like, there's no way Savali's going to get injured. And <laughs> sure enough, like a week later. And yet, some, I mean, we're we're recording this uh, right around noon on Thursday. And, uh, you know, they're 40 and 31. They're on – that's a 91-win pace. And they've done it largely, um, you know, without Fran Mio Reyes for the last few weeks uh, with the pitching situation that they've had. You know, looking at their their situation in the American League, which I think is like the context through which this can kind of this can kind of be viewed and why there's so much urgency. They're forty and thirty one. I mean, they've been a quality team to this point in the season. There's really no other way to say that. That being said, this situation is just so daunting um, to get through an extended period of time without so many key pieces, both to the line. I mean. Freddie Reyes being out of the lineup is such a, a huge story. Um, it's just been dwarfed to an extent 
because of what's going on with the rotation, because that is that has become such an extreme situation. So J.C. Mejia, Cal Contral, Sam Hentges, Eli Morgan, and maybe Tristan McKenzie, maybe probably Tristan McKenzie, they're going to have to handle this rotation. So, you know, one of the real storylines for this team going into the season was that they were going to have to win in almost like a trial-by-fire situation with a lot of their younger pitching, um, which in a way is the backbone of the organization, but it was the backbone that was helping to support a couple of, or three, uh, you know, really strong veteran options. And now that all of those options are gone, um, the, the, these younger pitching options, that's all that's left. And that's, that's a lot to ask, um, for a lot of younger pitchers who are adjusting to the league, still developing their own pitches, still, still working their way through their own progression. That's a lot to ask to keep up with, uh, all of the other contenders in the American League, and namely the Chicago White Sox, who have also dealt with their own case of injuries. Um, you know, both of the leading teams in the AL Central have been hit really hard, um, starting with Eloy uh, Jimenez a couple days before the season started. Um, so both teams have, have been hit hard, but this is such a, an extreme situation. Carl Willis is just like almost like throwing his hands up. Like, no, I, I've never dealt with anything like this. They are starting to, they're starting to get to more of a a five-day routine, but that's not necessarily because of anything else other than sheer necessity and that there are only four or five or maybe six guys left. Um, Logan Allen at AAA dealt with elbow soreness, so he was shut down for a few weeks. So he's still kind of working his way back uh, to to, um, to being lengthened out to where he can handle more, more volume. So he's not even quite there yet. So... Uh, What's going on with the rotation now, I think, was the question. It's just <laughs> chaos, and it's just yeah. it's total trial by fire. And if, if this team can make the playoffs with all these younger pitchers gaining all this experience, it'll it'll set them up set them up really really nicely going forward. But it's a lot to ask. So even though they are forty and thirty one, the last time I checked FanGraphs you know, uh, playoff projections, I, I think they were at like twenty six percent. And even with the really positive record. And that they've actually handled their own kind of okay for, for, for the last week or two. Um, you know, you, you can kind of understand why it's so low just because of the sheer amount of injuries that, that would, that would be crippling to really any team. Um, so th- yeah, yeah, this, the front office, the coaching staff ha- having to handle this for several weeks. Um, the all-star break cannot get here enough or soon enough for them, I'm sure. And having those four days to kind of catch their breath and have four days to where Plesak and Bieber and Savali can just get a little closer to returning. But yeah, it's, it's a lot to ask. Um, they've, they've done okay so far, but, um, it's, it's quite the situation to be in. And it's really, it's, it's what their entire season is, is, is hinging on now. Yeah. And right now in the division, Cleveland is two and a half games back behind the White Sox, but then Kansas City is 10 games behind Cleveland. Um, and then in the wild card, you would have Oakland at the top, Tampa Bay, and then Cleveland two games back. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's obviously, it's July, so, like, the standings obviously so much can happen between now and the postseason. They're kind of, you know, it's kind of silly to be talking about it right now. Or it's June. It's almost July. Wow. I don't even know what month it is. It is June 24th. We've said this three times when we are recording. Um, it is June Thursday, June 24th. And that's where things currently stand. But, yeah, I mean, the, the All-Star break is 
really, really, really just crucial for this team at this point. Hey, time is just a human construct. Right. It's July in my mind. I'm already in July. Um, BJ, leave that in. I want it left in. <laughs> um, um, but, like, there are two and a half games out of first place right now. Uh, yeah. In, in the Central. If they can just be anywhere close to that, by the time that the three – you know, veteran or more veteran starters return. That's that has to be fine with them. That's that's a huge win for them, just to kind of keep pace with where they are. They, I don't think they need to catch Chicago right now. They don't need to be trying to, or you know, really with a sense of you know major urgency or will or concern to get above Chicago right now. If they're just within striking distance when when these guys return, I'm I'm sure that's they, that would be considered a, a really, really big win for them. And and that's all they you know, if, if you can do that and get Reyes back and Roberto Perez, which we didn't even talk about because there's so many injuries involved and um and then Bieber, Savali and, and Plesak, you get those guys back and and then they can try to go to work, but you know, even just keeping pace, it's just, it's such a tall order when you're losing this much. Um, but then again, you know, teams have gone on some runs and not to really compare it because it's, it, it is a little different, but in 2016, you know, they lost Carrasco, they lost Salazar, uh, Brantley. I mean, all these guys were hurt right at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, or at least coming back from injury or, or just out. And yeah, that felt catastrophic like back then, given when, given the timing of all those injuries. Yeah, and I mean, and they actually dealt with that a couple of postseasons in a row. Um, yeah. Brantley dealt with things, Carrasco, Salazar, on and on and on. Um, you know, they, they've dealt with injuries before. And so going into 2016, the, the pitching situation, especially with Carrasco and Salazar, was just so, seemed so dire. Um, and again, I mean, Andrew Miller being like a world destroyer, um, sure helped that. And Cody Allen was, was also absolutely solid. And, People forget Cody Allen was actually the one who didn't allow an earned run in that postseason. But yeah, not not to really compare situations because this is a, a much longer term situation um, without off days. Uh, you, you you can't treat playoff games like you can regular season games for too long before it becomes to, before it becomes a huge issue with the bullpen. So not to really compare those situations, but uh, you know this team they they've dealt with injuries going into key situations in the past uh 2019 they dealt with a lot of pitching injuries and dealt Trevor Bauer um you know Savali was actually one of the guys who kind of picked up the slack there um so they've been in situations like this kind of before just not quite this severe and over this amount of time um so if they can just keep pace that's that's a really big win yeah, and to me, it's like the most important thing in this stretch, and obviously I think it's just common sense is is these guys who are going out there, like a guy like Cal Quantrill, who wasn't in this situation, he wasn't in the starting rotation at the beginning of the year. It's like literally for me about just going out and having a decent outing, which he did on Saturday, and not to talk about a game that you didn't cover, I covered it for us. But like in that outing, he pitched five shutout innings. He had a really good, solid start, and then it was followed by an uncharacteristic kind of bullpen collapse, which no one, you know, Cal Quantrill talked after, Terry Francona, obviously, no one was too concerned with that. And especially when um, Francona talked, you know, it's especially uncharacteristic given Brian Shaw and James Karinchak's production against left-handers this year. Um, and then obviously Brian Shaw has averaged almost a walk and inning this year, but he gives up so few hits that it hasn't really been a problem before this. And um, as far as Karinchak went, 
he just said, you know, he, he's a young guy that sometimes those guys are going to make mistakes. And, you know, it seems like in that situation, you know, you're maybe a little bit more willing to, to live with it, given the fact that they are still learning. But I think obviously you, you have to kind of learn and have that growth in a situation like this simultaneously, which admittedly I think is kind of unfair to these guys, but it's just the situation that they're in right now. Yeah, and I, I think that's been communicated pretty clearly from the team to them. They're like, hey, it's very clear this is not an ideal development situation. And, you know, this is not what the team would be doing in almost any other situation. Um, and it's, it's, it's just total, I mean, trial by fire, I just think is kind of the, the main statement here is that that's what is going to have to happen. Um, and, you know, Tito said earlier in the year, you know, when Bieber, Savali, and Plesak were healthy, you know, he mentioned that that with with some of these younger guys, hiccups are expected, and to expect anything else is unfair. And that was with you know Logan Allen, who had a tremendous spring training and forced his way to at least get a shot in the rotation, and then that did not go as planned. Uh, Tristan McKenzie uh, had some ups and downs and began to really allow his command to to kind of snowball on him. So that's I think that was roughly the timing when Tito said, "Hey, you know, we we knew." that there were going to be some issues here and, and some hiccups all, along the way. And, uh, you know, he, he mentioned uh, four or five nights ago, I think, that as long as these guys are getting better, that's okay. And I think that's kind of the overreaching message is that none of these guys need to try to be perfect. None of them need to try to be Bieber because that's not going to happen. It, I don't think this is a situation where even if Cleveland goes on this huge winning streak where their, their run differential is going to be like immense and it's going to be this really big number or anything like that. They're, they're going to have to kind of grind through some games and just get exactly like like you said, just get through like five innings, just get give a, a semi-quality start, get close to that, and then let the bullpen take over, and then the offense is going to have to try to do as as much as as it can. Uh, Bobby Bradley um, has struggled a little bit lately, um, but for a, a couple of weeks, he, he provided a major boost. Ho- Jose Ramirez has been Jose Ramirez. Um, the consistency, except for that extended slump for about a, three quarters or three quarters of a season, maybe even a full season there uh, b- between two years, except for that stretch, he's been remarkably consistent. So the offense... There's still there's still so many question marks there um, without Reyes, but if you get Reyes back, if Bobby Bradley can can make contact enough to be consistent, maybe there's enough there. Maybe there's enough in the bullpen to kind of make this work enough to bridge the gap. Maybe we don't know. Um, there's a lot of patchwork, a lot of duct tape and glue, and trying to make this work. Um, but yeah, I I do think that it's it's been clearly communicated that. This is not the ideal situation. The, ex- the expectations are not probably what these guys think they are and that there, there's a lot of pressure, but there's also a balance of not putting so much pressure on, on a younger guy's shoulders that he collapses. Right. I know we, we joked last week that if you're sick of hearing about the pitching, like we're sorry, but this is obviously another pod where we're just given the, the magnitude of another injury to another key piece in this rotation. Like it's kind of, it's kind of a necessity at this point. Um, so to talk, you know, some more about these younger guys who are, you know, in this developmental type, type situation now, 
Um, Eli Morgan got his first semi-normal start of the season this week, and if you need a refresher, in his first start, there was that game with terrible wind and rain, obviously not ideal. In his second start, he got hit in the arm with a comebacker, but like you wrote in your about in your walk-off thoughts, the lesson to be learned from his start against uh, the Cubs was how quickly major league hitters can change a good outing for a starter, um, especially when you're going through that order for a third time. Um, so he was cruising through five innings, but like you talked about, his final line of four earned runs, no walks, and nine strikeouts didn't fully represent his outing, just given what happened to him in the sixth inning. So I guess just what did you think from watching that, and what were they kind of talking about after the game in regards to his start? It was definitely a step forward for him. Um, you know, it was his third outing, but then again, his first outing, you know, was in just the worst possible conditions, basically. Um, a game that possibly shouldn't even have even been played. Uh, and then his second start was in nice weather, but then he takes a 102 mile hour comebacker off the arm, like almost immediately. It's like, it was almost like the universe was telling him like, Hey, you're not going to be a pitcher. We're just not going to allow this to happen. But the third start, great weather, nothing weird happened. Uh, um, and it was a, you know, for, for five innings, uh, he, he was solid, um, you know, and his, his command and his changeup, you know, th- those are tools that, that do give him, uh, you know, a chance to have a, a major league profile, e- even with a fastball that sat at like 90, 91 for most of the night. Um, he can make that work, uh, with, with his other stuff when it's working though. Um, and I think at times, you know, there are pitchers who, who, who can make that work. Josh Tomlin, not to compare them, but Josh Tomlin was also someone who could have stretches of great effectiveness, but when it goes bad, it can go bad really quickly because if you don't have that kind of stuff, you just become a little more exp- when you're off your top game. And so for Eli Morgan, um, five great innings, a really positive start, and then the sixth inning just kind of almost immediately just kind of derailed. And then uh, Nick Sandlin came in. Um, there was a strike call that, that Tito mentioned that he was not uh, too happy with, uh, with to Javi Baez, and Baez eventually doubled. That was a key hit, and um, things just kind of snowballed. Um, but it was a positive outing, um, and nothing weird happened. Um, there were no, like, locusts in the sky or anything like that. So it's, it's a positive day. Um, I think that he'll, you know, Eli Morgan will, will, will definitely take it. And Carl Willis has said that hopefully when Eli Morgan is Carl Willis's age, having to make his major league debut in awful conditions and outfielders not being able to track down fly balls. Hopefully it'll just be a, a nice story one day that follows a, a, a positive career. It's kind of what Carl's message is. Um, so it was a, it was a nice step in the right direction, I guess, for Eli Morgan to give Cleveland a little more confidence um, that, of, of trying to get through this because again, you have Morgan Quantrill, Mejia, McKenzie, maybe Allen, maybe Scott Moss at some point. But, like, after that, you start to get into really uncharted territory in terms of track records and experience. And, um, yeah, (laughs) just like you said, I I almost wrote the other night, like, I'm sorry to have another pitching story back to back to back. But, like, when Savali gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's the – it's the doomsday scenario for this team. Like, I mean, it, it literally was the worst possible person to be injured. Yeah. And at this point, like JC Mejia's arm will have to be torn off for him to come out of the game at this point. They just can't afford much, much more. Yeah. Uh, 
Which, yeah. Obviously, given his his couple of starts here recently, obviously they weren't perfect or anything. I, I know the start last week he settled down in comparison to to the one from I'm I'm losing track of my days as we all know. I said it was July earlier, but the game that I covered, I don't even remember when it was anymore. A couple weekends ago, when he couldn't get out of the first inning, um, at least we saw some growth that way. But again, it just isn't an ideal an ideal situation, and he's due to pitch tomorrow, right? Friday. Or Saturday? Uh, no, tonight, Thursday. Tonight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Tonight, Quantrill, tomorrow, Hanches, Saturday, Morgan, Sunday, Monday, who knows? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a surprise to that person, just like it is to us, I'm guessing. Um, but to talk about the other guy who was a focus of your walk-off thoughts from this past week, Sam Henches, obviously, um, after Sunday's game against the Pirates, I know you wrote a lot about his slider um, and his his mix of pitches where he uses three pitches. So what's going on with, with that there? Well, yeah, it's, he's an interesting case because at times he's had such swing and miss stuff, but his command always hasn't been there. And as a starting pitcher using a, a three pitch mix, it's doable, but it's also difficult. Um, especially when you get to the third time through the order, you know, pitches are always, uh, trying to add a pitch. Bieber did it with his changeup. Um, his changeup has, was a huge focus going into 2019. Um, and so he had his first experience in the majors in 2018. Uh, lefties were beating him up a bit. So the changeup was necessary to add a weapon specifically to lefties. Well, especially to lefties. Um, and then later on, he's also implemented a cutter. I mean, pitchers are always adding things. So it's very possible that Henches will eventually add something. Um, but when you, when you have, just fastball, curveball, slider. If one of those are off, you're a you're a two pitch pitcher, and that can work. But to get through innings, that's that, that's a more difficult challenge. You're going to get exposed a lot faster by just about any major league lineup, no matter how bad the team's record is or whatever. Exactly. So Hedges has been working on his slider um, really since the season began as a as an extra focus, and he mentioned after this most previous outing that. It's finally getting to a point where he feels a little more comfortable with it and it, and it's getting closer to where he wants it to be. So for him, especially, that's, that's a really big key. Um, you know, we've talked so much about, about Bieber this year, not having to feel for his curveball at times, not having to feel for his slider at times. He, he's had to rely on other things and he's been able to grind through some starts. If you only have three offerings to begin with, you're just kind of starting at a, at, at a lower point and a more difficult position. But, um, you know, the slider looked much better, um, in, in his, his previous start. And if he can throw it like that to complement his curveball and fastball, he does have a more complete profile. And again, I'm sure Cleveland's looking for just about any reason for optimism with any of these guys. Um, Eli Morgan has five innings of a positive start. They may overlook the sixth. Because right now confidence is, is 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 maybe key for some of these guys, and and with Henches who has had a some real ups and downs, um, you know, coming maybe coming out of that, maybe finding the feel for his slider, they're going to look at that. Uh, they're going to look at positives for Quantrill, and they're going to look at positives for, for Mejia, because that's all that's left. And these are guys that like long term. I mean, these are all valued. You know, pieces to the franchise and, and, and long-term players that, um, that have formed a, a lot of long-term value. So it's, it, it's not like they're, you know, throwing their hands up and like, who knows? Like, these are guys that they do like 
that, that and that they do you know value highly. It's just this situation it, uh, was never intended um, for all of these guys to have to go through at the same time, yeah. which is just, again the dog in the house with fire. Everything's fine. That's the only way to really get through it. I mean, Tito ended. Um, I think it was it was the post game uh, following Savali's injury. Um, Tito ended it with saying something like, "Okay, guys, that's all. We're we're gonna go figure this out right now. Like it's yeah. like, it cannot wait. It has to be right this second to try to figure out what they're gonna do. Um, so yeah. th- they've got to figure it out through the weekend, at least planning wise. And that's if nothing goes wrong. Which if it does. Um, we're, we're going to have to erase that last 10 seconds because I, I can't be blamed for anything else that goes, that goes wrong here, but yeah, they just can't uh, be, being able to handle this and, and bend, but not break is, is, is quite the task. And, but with Hentges, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sure they're looking for any reason for optimism and, and he, he gave one in his, in his previous start. So it, if he can, if he can continue that, that'd be a, a major boost. Yeah, and um, yesterday, Wednesday, the, the 23rd, was the one off day yeah. in this 30 games and 31-day stretch we've been talking about. So they now have 18 games, scheduled games, before the All-Star break starts on July 12th, um, and the All-Star game is July 13th. But, yeah, like I know you joked about it last week, probably hoping for some rainouts at this point, too, to to help them out a little bit during this stretch and get some guys some rest, I would imagine. Yeah, it's like, remember in, like, grade school, middle school, high school, whatever, there's such a, well, at least to me, because I I never liked waking up early. There's it's such so a big... like waking up early. That's a discussion every week on oh, we this podcast to give everyone a behind-the-scenes look at how leading off is recorded. If we record before 11 o'clock, we are both worthless, essentially. We did it once. And it was awful. Yeah. It's it's I, I think it started at was like nine thirty or something and it's slowly gone back to eleven thirty. And um, the movie draft I feel like that was like at ten thirty because they had an early game that day and we were like this is going to take us a while and we still like we messed up like probably four times in that <laughs> podcast I think. Um, but it makes I mean we're both used to working later now especially but anyways I didn't mean to interrupt you 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 never liked waking up which is something. New new information that we are learning about you, Ryan Lewis. <laughs> well, there was such a big difference to me growing up when there was like heavy snow. If school was called the night before, that was amazing. Because then you can like play video games all night, whatever. You can sleep in. That was incredible. So it's a little similar here to where a rain delay like during a game after a pitcher warms up or something, that's not ideal. But if Cleveland could get a rain delay or a, a rain out or two, like several hours before the game, yeah, they would definitely take that. They'll take any break that they can get for the bullpen to have any flexibility possible with the rotation, which right now for 18 days, there's none. There's absolutely no flexibility. Um, so they would, they would definitely take that as long as it's a little bit before. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, plus there was one day when I went to, I went to the bus stop in like, I don't know, seventh grade and I didn't find out that school had been canceled because it was canceled, like, as I was walking to... So were you just standing out there alone? For a good, like, 10 or 15 minutes in, like, 10-degree weather. And then there's a house um, with some kids I, that I was friends with. And I think they opened the door and they're like, hey, like, school was just canceled, just so you know. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, I mean, that's good news. It's better than going to, you know, having to go to school that day. But I could have... <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, no. I called it 10 minutes earlier, and I would have known. God. Well, at least you were on time for the bus, I guess. Like, in theory, you woke up early enough for that. Yeah, probably begrudgingly. Yeah. Although, I I did that to myself, though. I used to watch baseball late at night. I'd, I'd play video games late at night. I It was totally my fault that I was so tired. I just, it was every day. I was going to say, now at least you make a living watching baseball late at night. That's that's a positive. Fine, yes. Yeah, you you were training you were training for the job you wanted, not the one you had as a middle school student. <laughs> That's right. I, I just had to grind through some math classes for a while, trying to stay awake. Well, hey, it suited you well because you were trying to calculate something before we started recording. I still don't know what you were doing or how you would calculate it, but all I know is I couldn't do it. Uh, yeah, but like I did it, but it also took like four tries before yeah. I remembered how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, the the good thing about my communications journalism major was the fact that I could literally take the easiest math class that John Carroll University offered. And even though I tested into, like, Calculus 2, I did not do that. I took some, I don't even remember what the class is called, but it was, like, basic math. And I was, like, the easiest way out that will get me a, a grade that will not ruin my GPA. Just give me that. I actually had a similar experience at Kent. I... I somehow tested out of, like, two of the three, like, basic math classes, and I don't know how I did that. That was that's the guessing work of my entire life, because I, I, I took that test thinking, like, all right, well, I'm definitely taking all three of these, and somehow got through two of them, and I don't know how that happened, but I wasn't going to ask questions either. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like Cleveland baseball is probably hoping for the rain to give them a break, we are going to take a break from this podcast now. Um, again, this has been leading off a podcast on Cleveland baseball. Check out Ryan Lewis's stuff on Twitter. He is at by Ryan Lewis. And of course, you can find it all under the Cleveland baseball tab at beaconjournal.com. I am Ashley Bastock42. If you're so inclined to catch me tweeting about Cleveland baseball and Britney Spears, given the, the latest news surrounding her this week. Um, So, yeah, until next time, fingers crossed that we can talk about more than the pitching when we record next week.